first up, we're going to talk about Abbott. So I, if you guys don't know, I live here in Texas, so I am well-versed, not well-versed, but I'm aware of some Texas politics and stuff like that. And so Greg Abbott has been very interesting how he's been dealing with COVID in the sense that he doesn't really want to, he sort of wants to just push and uh, get back to how things were essentially. And nothing is more um, apparent of that than this right here, where he is now officially banned COVID-19 vaccine mandates by straight up any employer in the entire state. Um, and this is interesting because, so to give you some perspective, just from a Texas perspective, living here, <clears throat> I live right next to one of the bigger hospitals in Texas, Scott and White, and their, uh, ICU has been filled for quite some time or close to fill. It's been teetering, I think on capacity for, uh, quite some time after the main initial COVID outbreak, it's been going back and forth here in Texas and here in Texas, even though I'm uh not too far away from austin which austin is basically like a, a mini california inside of texas for people unfamiliar with texas but even me being relatively close to that you if you came to texas right now you would not be able to tell that there was a pandemic going on if you go to a store and everything nobody as soon as the mask mandate dropped everybody's mask dropped um if at, my favorite place to shop heb um I, I go there to shop now and i still wear my mask just because it never bothered me. And I noticed after I was wearing my mask for COVID, uh, I stopped getting things like just a normal cold and stuff like that as often as I used to before. So I was like, I'm just going to keep doing that. But because of this is why things like um, just leadership direction and stuff like that is very important. Jordan has talked about like Biden being like, oh, man, I wish there was something could do I could do, but I'm just the president. So I'm just going to sit here and uh, I, I can't really pressure anyone, but just you giving a direction and saying, this is what I want, um, influences public opinion. If I can guarantee if Greg Abbott was not so nonchalant about masks and vaccines and stuff like that, that more people would be wearing those masks. But specifically here in Texas, it, it's basically just me and whoever I'm with wearing a mask when we go into uh, stores and stuff like that. So that you can see how that translates to this new policy of now um this uh, uh banning of vaccine mandates everywhere which is interesting because texas and abbott specifically has always been about the small government yet with things like this this is literally big government telling what individual private employers can and can't do which they've always been able to do this as far as uh, in certain professions and stuff like that you require a certain uh vaccines and stuff on order to participate most notably things like the military uh and stuff like that um so this is just a separate mandate that certain businesses may or may not have because it's another vaccine. But we got our big government, <laughs> big government in here in Texas. Um, and this also includes state entities. Um, like before I came to solely work for status quo, which I've, uh, you know, earlier this year, uh, my previous job was under a state uh, thing essentially because I was working for a school. And even at that level, when COVID initially hit and was its strongest there's no minimum requirements for for a score or anything like that so the people in charge of uh wherever we were it the mandates as far as mask and sanitation and things like that was literally dependent 
on whoever was in charge, how much they believed COVID was a real thing, which spoiler, I'm in Texas. So, <laughs> um, and so I actually had to fight for quite literally months just to get proper uh, um, safety and things like that at our facility. And so um, it's just, a, it's one of those things that I don't know you can really break out of in Texas for now, as long as the leadership um, continues to ride this weird line of, um, wanting to have minimal government so we can't have any of these safety programs we can't for for poor or disenfranchised people and stuff like that but uh, at the same time having this power balance of having this, some of the most overreaching government uh, mandates you can have uh, and banning uh, literally individual private mom and pop businesses on whether or not the employees they hire are vaccinated for COVID is, is is pretty big overreach. And then obviously we had the whole recent thing where they're trying to overturn uh, 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 Roe v. Wade and, and stuff like that and have some of the most restrictive abortion bans we've ever seen in the country in recent times and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting time here in Texas. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. So I'll start with the the newest part of the story, which is, as you guys probably heard, Indigenous Peoples Day proclamation issued by Joe's Bi Joe Biden, who is the first U.S. president to do so. Um, so on Friday, uh, Joe Biden issued, issued a proclamation commemorating Indigenous Peoples Day, becoming the first U.S. president to do so. Uh, and then it says uh, contributions that Indigenous people have made throughout the history and public service. Uh, this is a statement Biden wrote is great. Today, we acknowledge the significant sacrifices made by Native peoples to this country and recognize their many ongoing contributions to this nation. Um, he marked a chip, and this is the interesting part. When I first read this, so it says, Biden also marked a change, of course, from previous administrations in his proclamation marking Columbus Day, um, which honors the explorer Christopher uh, Columbus. In that proclamation, the president acknowledged the death and destruction wrought on Native, Native communities. Um, but the interesting thing, I think it's at the very bottom. Uh, or maybe it's not. But the main thing that caught my guard when when announced this was that it was cool. I, I'm actually very happy that we have an Indigenous Peoples Day because at the minimum it, minimum, it dedicates a day for like awareness to be raised on places, especially social media and stuff, so people can start become aware of things that they probably aren't uh, about the uh, U.S. atrocities in the back in the forming of the America. But a th couple of things I noticed from this firstly was um, the keeping of Columbus Day, which I thought was weird. I feel like we're to the point, does everyone not know <laughs> that Columbus is a terrible person? Like even among his own people, like uh, return back to his country and stuff, he was not considered a, a good guy. He's considered a, a pretty bad. Um, he's contributed to both the genocide of, of essentially of peoples uh, in addition to uh numerous other things that I won't get into right now, but it's definitely a good start. But that, that was the first thing that caught me off guard was why are we, why do we still have Columbus day? That's kind of weird. And when you think about it, it, it does kind of go in, in the trend of Biden and his themes of nothing will fundamentally change. So this kind of follows that trend where it, saying something will not fundamentally change. Doesn't mean nothing will necessarily change. And I think that's part of that politician wordplay. So he's saying that he's bringing about, this change by bringing uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, but not any fundamental change, such as bringing a game rid of Columbus Day, or uh, he Biden backs uh, the oil sands pipeline project, which some of you might know of. 
uh, uh, as a uh, line three. And the Biden administration has defended a contentious pipeline project that would carry hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil through Minnesota's delicate watersheds, urging in court brief that challenge urging in a court brief that a challenge brought by local tribes and environmental groups be thrown out. Uh, the closely watched filing in federal court was the latest in a series of actions taken by the administration to back Trump-era approvals of oil and gas infrastructure, despite Biden's pledge to aggressively cut emissions because of climate change. So we have our instance number one, which is line three. Uh, he still is backing it, which is something that Native Americans have been extremely vocal from from day one but conveniently when it comes to actually listening to them uh he votes to continue and and throw any sort of uh anything to the contrary that might inhibit the creation of this scene which breaks his promise about um scaling back climate change and he, he's not even willing to spend enough money on climate change as we can see with the current battle with the reconciliation bill and stuff like that but even like meaningful action that technically wouldn't cost the government any money. It would cost them money and it costs maybe individuals money because they're donors and stuff like that. But blocking line three is something that he could substantially do in addition to the indigenous people's day to really nail home that I am here. I'm listening to the native American community and uh, yeah. We'll continue on reading this. We are extremely disappointed that the Biden administration continues the Trump administration's policy of ignoring tribal rights, environmental justice, justice, and climate concerns in favor of fossil fuel industry profits. Money Nasmith of the Environmental Legal Organization Earth Justice uh, said, if the president is genuine in his pledge to take climate justice and tribal rights seriously, his administration must stop defending the Trump administration's decision. So that's literally direct. If you support tribal rights, you need to stop this pipeline. And so this whole uh, thing happened June 24th and the Declaration of Indigenous Peoples Day uh, was Friday. So th four days ago, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four days ago, uh, October 8th or ha what have you. So literally, if, what is that, three months? In just three months, uh, you, you can see that sort of uh, starker contrast you guys are probably familiar with this one, but Biden administration will not shut down Dakota Access Pipeline during environmental review, review uh, the DOG lawyer tells court. The Biden administration will not shut down the controversial Dakota Access Pipeline while environmental review is, construct, is conducted, a blow to the environmental and tribal groups that have rallied against the project for years. Government attorney Ben Schiffman uh, told a federal judge on Friday that the Army Corps of Engineers, which handles permits for the pipeline, is essentially in a continuous process of evaluating and gathering information. An attorney representing the Standing, Sioux, uh, Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, which has been challenging the pipeline, said he is deeply disappointed. The company gets to keep the benefits of operating the pipeline that was never properly authorized, while the community has to bear the risks, said attorney John Hosselman. It's not right. It's a continuation of a terrible history. The Biden administration has been under a enormous pressure from the pipeline's opponents to reverse the Trump administration's support of the project. A federal judge had, had put on hold further proceedings while the new administration got up to speed. Da -da -da -da. Um, so, and also, if you guys don't know, the project goes through the Missouri River as well as indigenous, people, indigenous people's lands. And uh, uh, 
I believe it went through sacred sacred burial sites and different things like that. And so, if you guys remember, this was a huge thing that Jordan uncovered back in the way back in the day with huge with uh, police committing violence against protesters, um, uh, illegally putting the pipeline through in certain areas. There were waited still. Uh, I believe they had waited for the environmental review and it started before that. And so they had drones. Uh, certain people uh, uh, had drones basically checking on the progress of the pipeline, and they found that. It was still in certain times being under construction, even when they were told not to. So this company has repeatedly not only gone against law, but the whole thing is against trees with tribal lands, the entire land inside of the Dakota Access uh, pipeline that was negotiated, not the entire land, but the lands, some of the lands that went through was negotiated and to be under the control of tribal uh, leaders. And they just completely ignore that to go through with this. And so you would think the absolute easiest thing that Biden could do is just say, hey, these two pipelines, especially pipelines that have, and I don't know why I stopped this up, especially pipelines that have gone through native land, let's at minimum pause them and get a review through. And 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 Biden could say during that time, I'm going to listen to leaders from these different lands and get their perspective and see if he could even be all po politician about and see, like, be like, can we get a compromise or something like that? But uh, um Unfortunately, he's just, he, he's done, he, I bet you anything, he's declared Indigenous Peoples Day. And now for the rest of his first term here, this is this is the big thing he's doing for Native Americans. And then he's uh, probably going to be done for now. He's going to, if anyone brings up his support about it, uh, about these pipeline projects and stuff like that, or anything like that, or questions to support for Indigenous people in their lands, then uh, he's going to be like, hey, I did Indigenous Peoples Day, which no other president has done before. Which, once again, is cool. It's a good thing. But um, I'm afraid this is going to be, once again, nothing will fundamentally, fundamentally change, um, as we can see, continuing with these pipelines. If you guys don't know, Activision Blizzard. So this is a gaming company. Uh, they're very big. Uh, Activision, they're, they were mainly known for uh, Call of Duty and stuff like that. And Blizzard was known for things like StarCraft, World of Warcraft, Overwatch. And back in 2008, Activision actually bought Blizzard. And so now they're known as Activision Blizzard. And they've been in uh, some heat recently for um, essentially sexist and uh, um, behavior around the office, including uh, discrepancies in pay, how they treat women, different things like that. And it's pretty crazy when you get into it. And I want to cover this because specifically this is the newest thing there. And like news just came out today about Activision Blizzard that I'll cover as well. Um, but it's also a growing trend in the gaming industry, not necessarily a growing trend of this is starting to happen more in the gaming industry, but a growing trend of everyone starting to realize and maybe whistleblow on it more and actually take action about it. IGN created this cool bullet point timeline of the events of the Activision Blizzard lawsuit and what led to it. I apologize, you won't be able to fully read this. So it started back in July, July 20th of this year where um, the Activision Blizzard was sued by California over allegations of, quote, a frat boy culture and sexual harassment. Uh, this followed a two-year investigation by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, um, alleging that the company fostered a frat boy culture in which female employees were subjected to unequal pay and sexual harassment. Uh, female employees of all levels were impacted by this, and that leadership failed to do anything about it. And I'll, I'll tie this back to how uh, this 
um, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, this sort of what I'm going over, this frat boy culture and everything like that, you'll find that this is actually a theme in uh, other game industries and stuff like that. Like this is just a normal theme that gets constantly done. And it doesn't help that the gaming industry uh, consumers, at least the vocal ones, especially in the comment section and stuff, approve of this type of theme. Um, this frat boy culture was seen in male employees drinking copious amounts of alcohol as they made their way through cubicles to often engage in inappropriate behavior towards female employees. So they literally just have dudes drinking on the job and then harassing female employees. But the biggest one was one particular incident cited in the lawsuit involves a female employee who was already subjected to intense sexual harassment at the company committing suicide during a work trip with a male supervisor who allegedly brought inappropriate sexual items with him on their trip. So that was insane. When I, when I initially read that, I was like, you literally have a company that sexual harassment was so prevalent and so intense that it continued on work trips to the point where someone actually committed suicide. That That is absolute insanity. Also, a source who has since departed Blizzard told IGN another story about how the room designated for breastfeeding did not have locks. So men who would walk into breastfeeding room, the breastfeeding room and there was no way to lock the door. They would just stare and I would have to, I, uh, referring to the person who's telling the story, I would have to scream at them to leave. Um, and, do, 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 and then part of the lawsuit is just asking them to comply with workplace standards. That's part of the lawsuit is just to bring their stuff up to date. Um, the following day, uh, the Blizzard released a, um, a statement in response to the lawsuit where uh, they called some of the, where they said they were sickened by the rec, rec um, let me let me take back for a sec. The Activision Blizzard essentially accused um, California of rushing to file an inaccurate complaint and failing to have good faith discussion with us to better understand and to resolve any claims or concerns before going to litigation. Uh, we are sickened by the reprehensible conduct of the uh, the California agency to drag into the complaint and the tragic suicide of an employee whose passing has no bearing whatsoever on this case and with no regard for her grieving family. Activision Blizzard wrote, while we find this behavior to be disgraceful and unprofessional, it is unfortunately an example of how they have conducted themselves throughout the course of their investigation. It is this type of irresponsible behavior from unaccountable state bureaucrats that are driving many of the state's best businesses out of California. So literally just slightly saying, hey, because you brought up our sexual harassment, how that literally drive, drove a person to suicide, um, that's why people are leaving. And Almost it feels like hinting like, hey, maybe we'll leave you if you guys keep this up uh, in response to this. This was literally a day after that they said this. Um, this response led to over 2,000 former and current Activision Blizzard employees signing an internal letter criticizing the pu company's public statement regarding the lawsuit, saying the response was abhorrent and, and insulting um, and that the employee... Uh, employees no longer trust that the company's leaders will place employee safety above their own interests. Um, so that was literally, so that was just the day after. Um, silence and violence, the comic industry sexist too. Most female characters are overly sexualized. Yes, I agree. And also very um, 
sexist in their practices too, especially uh, way back in the day, if you look into it as a uh, pretty interesting and also comic book movies. I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, nerdy movies, as you guys can tell and comic movies, but uh, you know, it took until um, like on Marvel's side, they, they didn't even have a female movie until Captain Marvel DC uh, until uh, uh, Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman was their first uh, female director, at least for that particular bubble and stuff like that. So, there, there's a long way to go with, with some of the stuff. Uh, the day after that, though, the Blizzard president, Jay Allen Brock, emailed staff at the company to address the lawsuit. Uh, and uh, uh, he called the reported behavior from the lawsuit completely unaccess- unacceptable and promising to discuss issues with employees, which is um, complete opposite from the <laughs> statement that was done the day before, implying that... Uh, uh, that might be correct, what Blizzard had initially, or not what Blizzard, but California initially said. And here's where we get interesting to where um, Bush indirectly comes involved. Activision Blizzard executive and former Homeland Security advisor to George W. Bush sent a very different type of letter to the internal Blizzard staff, which sounded much different by the one sent by J. Allen Breck. She, she claimed the lawsuit presented a distorted and untrue picture of our company, including factually incorrect old and out of context stories, some from more than a decade ago, which once again, she doesn't actually address any of the specifics of anything. It just generalize, Hey, some of these are factually incorrect. I won't say which facts are incorrect, but you know, some of them are old, which uh, from more than a decade ago, which to me says less about, Hey, that's old. Why are they just now coming out or whatever? And more like, Oh geez, has this been going on for a long time? This sounds like this might have been something that might go back de- a decade because you've had this frat boy culture for maybe give or take a decade. Uh, considering you're acquired by Activision 2008, that means that these uh, uh, harassment probably started three years after that uh, takeover by and becoming basically a very large company. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Um, uh, and she also said that the egregious actions of others, and, or, or she says that, the, the claims are truly meritless, and uh, and this is an irresponsible lawsuit. Um, but yeah, so we'll, uh, uh, and then moving on, we had a couple days later, we had former Blizzard executives apologize for the for failing employees. As some of them were like, hey, this wasn't here when I was there, but and when I left, uh, and they're like, this is genuinely sad that this is what it's come to. It's hard to tell when this started, if maybe it started while some of these people were in charge or not, but you can take that as as it may, and for any nerd nerds who play like like I don't play World of Craft, but anyone who does, uh, they they had to pause work on the game while they deal with this lawsuit, um, and uh, they have to <laughs> right now they're going through because some characters and instances and stuff in World of Warcraft were named after some of these people that are being accused of sexual harassment, so they've been going through getting rid of some of those, um, and. You can see that, and basically, you could jump forward to basically now they're doing gam- damage control from their original statement, and basically saying, "Oh, we're so sorry about that. Uh, uh, that's not what we meant." And yeah, so I'll, I'll real quick skip to the end here because there's a there's a lot, um, but the main thing is that they're they're in the process of this suit being sued. The news that came out today is they're having a little bit of trouble because um, 
the lawyers that were involved in suing Activision Blizzard previously worked for a separate, I believe, entity that had ties to something else. And so it's a whole thing. But um, like going on for this, this exact same uh, um, government organization uh, in California, they accuse is now riot of misleading employees about the right to speak up. And so this goes to a separate issue, but Riot is a separate company now, uh, also a game company, and they make League of Legends, uh, Valorant, uh, among others. But and they're one of the largest, larger or largest gaming companies out there. Um, but California Department of Fair Employment and Housing said that Riot Games has failed to inform its employees of the right to speak to the government about instances of harassment and discrimination. So uh, how I had mentioned, you might if once you understand what's happening in one of these. Uh, game industry uh, companies, you start to understand what's happening in all of them, uh, which is very similar things. Because if you follow game uh, games and uh, the game industry at all, you'll notice that a lot of people from this company, um, they, they don't always stay there very long. They'll go and then move to this company. And then this person from this other company will move over here. There's a lot of cross-pollination. So the culture, if the culture is like this, and it, nothing was said about too much about it uh, publicly out of fear or whatever else it might be. Um, imagine what's being said everywhere else that hasn't come out yet is, is essentially how I would put it. Um, in a press release, they said that uh, they're suing, uh, uh, or they stated that it has asked the courts to compel Riot Games is compliance with the court's June 4th order requiring the company to send notes to its workers about their rights to speak with them, which they still haven't done. In 2018, an, inv an investigation by Kotaku, which Kotaku, if you're interested in this side of games, as, as far as like the corruption and crazy stuff like that, Kotaku usually does really good reports and very trustworthy. The real Riot Games fostered an environment in which female employees were harassed, belittled, and passed up for promotion. In November, uh, one current and former employee filed a class action lawsuit accusing uh, Riot Games of gender-based discrimination. They settled that lawsuit, paying $10 million to current and former female employees who worked at the company from 2014 to 2019. Uh, the CEO was accused of harassing a female executive assistant, but the special tax task force charged with investigating the claim found no evidence of wrongdoing. Um, so yeah, so essentially it's all part of this one investigation and Riot hasn't even done the initial step of just sending out a quick email to ever saying, hey, you're able to talk to, to, to this group and stuff like that because probably they're afraid of what will come out because they probably foster an identical environment to uh, everyone else.